Uh, I, I, traditionally, it's the chairman's responsibility and honor to, to give a State of the Union address to open this. And I just would rather hear from industry leaders such as yourselves. You represent sure. a very diverse, uh, diverse facets of this industry. And I just, in preparing my remarks for this speech, I just want to have a discussion with you all about different, different aspects, different issues that we need to, to address. Um, one of the most important things that, that we've been addressing for years, of course, is fuel quality. It's been a big problem. It, it has been. In, in Minnesota, I, I farm in western Minnesota, and I use a B20 blend in all my farm equipment, and I haven't had any issues with it. But three years ago, two years ago in Minnesota, we did have some issues, some fuel quality issues arise. Uh, we were able to address that by uh, getting a group of people in a room together. And it was, it was difficult to do, but we were able to get the stakeholders in the Minnesota biodiesel industry, the production plants, the farmer leaders, uh, the Department of Commerce, the Department of Agriculture. We were able to get uh, them all in a room. There was a lot of table pounding and finger pointing. But we that, were that had to take place, don't you think? I mean, you had to bring everybody that had an vested interest in seeing that mandate be successful. Exactly, we did. And, and we were able to get in a room and to sit down and discuss this we came up, came to some conclusions. One of the things was we knew that we needed to add a cold, cold flow, cold flow filterability test. Yeah, that was um, uh, that was kind of a mystery at the time. Uh, I remember I was traveling in Colorado and there were sub-zero temperatures down there, and it was just before the holidays, and there was a, a flurry of phone calls, and there was really a period where. Uh, uh, we couldn't figure out what was happening out there, and there was some real diagnosis that had to happen. That's right. And, and one of the big concerns I have, seeing this renewable fuels standard in place that has a biodiesel component to it, I really hope we don't come up with a Minnesota times 50, because to try and get the stakeholders in a room, it would take a room this size to try and get the stakeholders in there to address this. Well, so, thankfully, we don't all have your weather there. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. These minus 20 degree temperatures are not common in this part of the country. But uh, what, what other aspects of fuel quality do you think I need to address? You know, I think this fuel quality uh, is something that we really have to focus on as we continue to evolve and grow as an industry. I think the, uh, the leadership of the National Biodiesel Board being proactive with the Minnesota situation two years ago uh, really helped us as an industry improve fuel quality. Uh, we saw some things grow out of that, such as BQ9000. I know you're BQ9000 accredited, right? We are at the uh, Seattle Biodiesel Facility. Went to a good deal of effort to get that and uh, really uh, recognize that program as something that the market likes to see out there. It's something that makes sense to people, and uh, um, it's working well, I think. Yeah, it is. And as Renewable Energy Group, we fully subscribe to the BQ9000 program with both production and marketing. And, and I think we're starting to see the industry really gain some momentum, uh, both from the production side as well as the marketing side, with acceptance of BQ9000. Uh, that voluntary program is what the consumer needs to see because it's a quality assurance program. And uh, it makes sure that the consumer sees quality uh, fuel and he has reliable performance with that fuel and his equipment. I'm sure you can attest to that. That's right. And it's something that the engine manufacturers, the OEMs, have been very engaged in and very involved in. And we need them to be because they, if anybody needs to portray consumer confidence, it's, it's those, those entities. Yeah. The, uh, uh, there's going to be some information shared, I know, at the conference from National Renewable Energy Labs with what we're doing as an industry to improve fuel quality. And I think they're going to, have some, they're going to share some statistics uh, that are going to be very insightful. 
uh, to show that how the industry is growing uh, with regards to fuel quality. So uh, that's going to be a great breakout session. I look forward to seeing or hearing the, their information. And, and I know that um, the biodiesel industry has really gotten um, some, some heat and some criticism out there on the quality side, but I think uh, that the industry deserves some recognition for uh, growing as fast as it, it has. You know, you think about the petroleum infrastructure um, and how long the petroleum industry has been around and uh, how much talent they have within that industry on the quality control side. Uh, and here we have an industry that's coming in basically measured to the same standards uh, tripling in volumes, two years running, uh, that's a tremendous challenge. And I think, uh, I think this industry has accepted that challenge and is, is responding to it. It's, it's not finished yeah. yet. Yeah. You know, that, that's a great point. It was inevitable, I think, as fast as we were growing as an industry with new production coming online, that we were going to have some problems along the way. Uh, but I think our industry has really done a good job of addressing that. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think also when we're looking at a mandate as opposed to maybe voluntary incentives, there's going to be some people who are really excited for this, and there's going to be some people who are not so excited. So I think as an industry, we need to do a lot of outreach and education about use and handling. Yeah, so do, do we have a waiter here? Is it, <laughs> it just disappeared. Did, did, did you guys get coffee? <laughs> I did. I, you want to share it with, uh, with Graham? I, I should pour some. <laughs> He's a better football player than a waiter, maybe. <laughs> Uh, but you, you bring up a good point with regards to acceptance. Uh, we're seeing the engine manufacturers, uh, since we've been able to improve quality as an industry, uh, be more receptive to biodiesel and biodiesel blends. And, and I think that's going to be important, as we, uh, especially from your standpoint, with new equipment that you're going to be uh, uh, having on your farm in the future, or, or new equipment or new engine designs that are coming in the future, uh, that biodiesel be a fuel that is is acceptable by the engine manufacturers and it for use in those engine designs exactly exactly well and you think about it out there and you look at um just at this truck stop some of the vehicles we got pulled up here uh <laughs> running biodiesel i mean some real investments going on i think uh, that one runs on algae uh, well even even better and uh and these big rigs you know obviously the truckers um depend on those for their livelihood and quality is key um, but uh, uh, the other side of that is not just the truck investment, but the fuel investment. And I know that's a challenge the industry's been facing. There's, there's the waiter. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And uh, uh, we've just seen it out there in, in soaring feedstock prices. I know uh, when I got started in the industry, uh, the goal was really to, to provide kind of a floor out there for soy and provide this new demand out there for soil. And, uh, guess what? We succeeded. And uh, uh, so Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> we, don't, uh, we don't talk about 13 cent a pound soy anymore. I mean, we've gone beyond that uh, 50 cent mark, and, and unfortunately, it's been a, one of the few commodities to outperform crude this year, soy oil. So uh, that's a real challenge. I think we had uh, a sort of a perfect storm out there uh, with the um, uh, switch, actually, our, 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 our companions in the biofuels business, the ethanol uh, folks uh, bringing a lot of the soy acreage into corn, uh, pulled some of our supply out, and then uh, uh, we see the very strong uh, economies in Asia pulling on the food demand side for the soy oil and the, uh, and the weak dollar flowing yep. things yep. away. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a real challenge. We're certainly starting to look uh, into new feedstocks, uh, and I see that coming. Yeah, you know, uh, those things that those economics are going to drive a lot of research and development, and I think that 
there's a lot of uh, opportunity with regards to development of new feedstock. Absolutely. I think feedstock diversity is going to be key to addressing a lot of these issues in terms of availability, in terms of pricing. And I think, I mean, we hear it all the time in the financial world, mitigate risk with diversity. So we need to do the same thing here. And I think we can look at this as a challenge, but also this is a phenomenal business opportunity. I mean, look at with Philadelphia Fryo Diesel, we are taking trap grease. This is stuff that's gone down the drain into a sewer. We're taking this stuff and we're turning it into a beautiful biodiesel that exceeds the ASTM mm -hmm. spec. And this is a feedstock that's a low or, or even negative cost. So this is a tremendous business opportunity out there. We need to harness that. Think of all the other feedstocks that are just ripe for commercialization right now. Well, and uh, you know, we wish they were riper than they are. Some of them. Uh, well, uh, some, some, some of them. Pretty ripe, I have to say. <laughs> and, and 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 you're welcome to that. But uh, uh, the uh, uh, you know, on on the algae side, certainly very exciting opportunity there. Uh, a lot of challenges uh, in terms of getting those yield rates out. I mean, we've been growing soy for a long time. Literally, some of the NBB members have been growing soy for a long time. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of experience around that and the, the sort of idea that of commercialization around a feedstock has a lot of dimensions to it. So it's not just this works, it's where does this work, how much does it cost to invest in this kind of opportunity, who's going to bring the financing to the table, who's going to build an algae farm, how are you going to squeeze the oil or whatever you're doing to extract the oil out of the algae. All of those pieces need to be solved. and. Uh, uh, thankfully, we have people that understand uh, those those pieces uh, that I work with, and I, I've talked to them about this. And uh, it's a real uncertain time range, but it's uh, it, you know it's in the single digits. It's in perhaps three seven years we start to see uh, uh, algae starting to work out there. And the the nice thing about algae is uh, you don't have the the crop periods that you do uh, in terms of planting and harvesting. You, you get into uh, uh, literally an 11-day cycle when you got if you're working with the right <laughs> algae out there. Well, we're we're a very innovative society, I think, and uh, a lot of science is going into uh, work to get us to the next level, Graham. As far as you know, the next feedstocks that we'll be seeing, algae is I think is a great example. I think that there are some other feedstocks that may be uh, grown on marginal marginal agricultural land that uh, that are non-traditional uh, in their origin and. And Ed, I think you probably see that as well as in your farming operation. Uh, you know, new soybean varieties maybe that uh, have higher oil content or maybe more yield potential per acre uh, that is going to help extend the supply of feedstocks for our industry. That's exactly right, Gary. There's there's a couple of uh, agricultural tech companies that have have uh, developed and are releasing shortly uh, soybean varieties that will have uh, ten, up to 10 percent higher yield, and that's exciting when you look at feedstock supply. There's also the USDA census uh, forecast that there will be up to 6 million acres more of soybeans planted this year. So those are things that can happen right now from the soybean world. We know as, as, as farmers and as uh, people that have been involved in the biodiesel board from the beginning that if, if these plants, if the, if the feedstock prices get way out of hand and these plants go out of business, that doesn't benefit anybody. And so we realize that we need to look at alternative feedstocks. We need to diversify our portfolio, as you said, Emily. I think a, a, a corollary to that is that I'm going to touch back to messaging again. We need to let uh, the consumers know quality is the ASTM spec. Quality doesn't come from feedstock. We need to be feedstock neutral and let people know you want a good product, it meets the spec, here are the, here's the performance. I think the market's going that direction. We see that every day where 
uh, it's not so much a feedstock issue, it's an availability and an economic issue. And, and the consumer doesn't have any preference as long as it does meet the ASTM spec and they can be sure of reliable performance in their equipment or in their engines. Um, I think that uh, another issue that uh, beyond quality that uh, I'm hearing a lot about is sustainability. And uh, that's going to become, I think, one of our biggest challenges, Ed, as you prepare for this upcoming uh, session at the National Biodiesel Board, that we're going to have to address this, uh, much like we did with the, the Minnesota experience with the, the cold flow issues there. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know how, what it's like for you guys, but it just feels like we're getting hammered out there. I mean, I need the Giants defense on my side. Um, <laughs> but it's really, I, I'm defending, you know, I do a lot of outreach, and uh, I've spent a lot of time educating people this is what biodiesel is. Now I'm finding I'm doing more, more defense. This, hey, this is a good fuel. And there's, there's a lot of concerns out there about deforestation, land use, um, and we need to address those directly because if we don't, other people are going to be addressing the issue and we're going to be reacting, which I think is a strategic error. Yeah. So part of that, what that means though is taking a good hard look at ourselves as an industry and looking at are we doing things intentionally, unintentionally that are having a negative consequence. Right. So, um, you know, in the end, let's get back to basics here. Why is it that people choose biodiesel? Why is it that they differentiate this fuel right. over another thing? And, and it's those social and environmental attributes. It's the, the energy independence. It's economic development for the small communities. It's energy security. And of course, it's the environmental benefits, the greenhouse gas reductions, the carbon footprint, the energy balance. So, you know, if we're shipping feedstock um, in, what does that do to energy independence and, um, and our energy balance? And I, I think we need to realize that if we can increase those environmental and social values, we increase the value of our fuel. So true environmental and social sustainability is inextricably linked to economic viability. You're exactly right. Yeah. Very good. It's a good crowd at this truck stop. <laughs> Yeah, these, these truckers are rowdy. <laughs> They're tuned into our issues, though, aren't they? That's great. That's great. Well, you know, I think uh, you're exactly right. You know, we as an industry have to take the initiative in this uh, in this effort. And uh, I know that uh, uh, that certainly the membership uh, would be uh, fully supportive in anything that we can do to address these challenges that we're going to face as an industry going forward. Well, it's it's interesting because. There's, this industry is so exciting and it's been so supercharged and it's grown so fast and we've got so much to talk about that's positive, um, but we have found ourselves on the defensive. We found ourselves on the defensive on quality in part because we grew so fast. Uh, we found ourselves on the defense uh, on sustainability um, and I think for some good reasons and probably some not so good reasons too uh, from the naysayers out there. Uh, but absolutely, um, uh, if, if biodiesel is out there portraying itself as a more sustainable fuel, it certainly is that if you look at, at current choices. I think if you get to, you know, the folks that really go down and do the analysis um, and get beyond uh, the sort of uh, uh, one-liners out there, and we see a lot of, I think, environmental one-liners that, that hit us and hit us hard. Uh, and people I know uh, at Imperium, uh, we've taken a lot of criticism for uh, the palm biodiesel that we have produced. We haven't produced any palm biodiesel. <laughs> so the fact that we talked about producing palm biodiesel was enough yep. for folks to start criticizing us about that. And the fact that we decided, you know, among other reason, reasons for sustainability issues not to go forward with that 
wasn't enough to stop the one-liners out there. Yeah, right. uh, and so uh, I think we got to get to the substance. Um, but you know, I think I think what we've seen from uh, uh, the the palm-producing countries has been remarkable. Has been leadership out there. Uh, the roundtable on sustainable palm oil is doing some real things. Right. Uh, rainforest deforestation is is nothing that uh, I support. Certainly, I don't think anybody else is out there <laughs> supporting that. Uh, and uh, I think these sustainability issues are going to carry over into soy and canola. Uh, I think there's an opportunity to, to get some standards around the international community so it's not a patchwork out there, and that's key. And I think, you know, we talk about algae, and we introduce a whole group of new sustainability issues like GMO and algae and containment in algae. Where are they going to go? They grow so fast. How do we, how do we control them? Uh, what's the water use associated with them? So it's 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 going to continue to be a challenge out there. Right. These are all issues that that NBB has addressed from different lenses, from from the uh, marketing committee, from our technical committee, from our trade committee, from our, our uh, regulatory committee. We've looked at sustainability, but there's not been a real uh, format, a real formal uh, way of looking at it and, and pursuing it and, and reviewing it. Um, and Emily, of course, you've been very involved in, in the Sustainable Biodiesel Summit and in that community and really put time in and effort in into finding out what we can do to be more sustainable. And uh, rather than having us uh, reinvent the wheel and, and do the research that you've already done and, and, and get, make the contacts you've already made, uh, we, we've decided, I've decided to appoint a nine-member sustainability task force. and. Um, at this point, I would like to, you, I have asked you already and you've accepted, but I will announce to these truckers <laughs> that, that uh, the chairperson of this uh, sustainable, sustainability task force will be Emily Bakke in Landsberg. Thanks. Yeah. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, and I think it's, a criti it's critical for the NVB to address this head on, and the time is now. Um, I'm honored and excited to, to take this position. I'm really thrilled to be able to share some of the work that we've been doing at the Sustainable Biodiesel Summit with a larger audience. Um, I'm also recognizing that I'm a bit of a masochist. Um, this is not <laughs> going to be an easy task, task force. Um, this is a huge challenge. It's extremely complex. We've got a lot of diverse interests out there, and the stakes are really high. But as an industry, we have set a precedent in the past for coming together working through tough problems and resolving them. And we're going to do that again. Thank you. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you're right. The, you know, the, the membership will fully support your efforts. And, and as Graham pointed out, we've got so many environmental attributes as a fuel and so many positive attributes that uh, we'll get this sustainability uh, question addressed. And, uh, We'll be ready to move on as an industry and as a fuel. Well, and I think we, we absolutely have to do that, and we absolutely have to focus on that. And then I think we also have to go out there uh, and tell the upside of the story, and tell absolutely. the upside of the story, and, 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 and vehicles like we see in the parking lots here, and the support we have from you know the truckers out there, and, uh, and all the things that we all know about uh, that biodiesel brings to the picture have to be marketed. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been, uh, I think the industry has been uh, willing uh, sometimes to take the, the easier sale out there, the discount sale, and I know, you know, the price at the pump matters to everybody, uh, but there's a lot of places where American consumers will pay more uh, than the commodity price, and I think biodiesel is the kind of thing that, that they can afford to do. Yeah. There's Absolutely. so many positives with our fuel and uh, so many benefits, and, and I think that, you know, going back to the quality, 
uh, aspects of our industry. We're starting to see the petroleum industry embrace, and you know, we have it available here at this truck stop today, uh, biodiesel blend. So we're seeing the, the industry uh, adapt and adopt our fuel and embrace it. And uh, as we get uh, integrated more into the bio, or to the diesel fuel supply chain, that's going to be a huge uh, benefit to our industry and all the production that we have available. We're talking about the upside of things, and, and boy, we've sure had some bipartisan support legislatively, both at the state level and at the national level. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, who would have thought we'd have a biodiesel component and a renewable fuel standard? It was unheard of, unthinkable, uh, something we pursued, and, and we were able to get that. Uh, yeah. the again. That was... <laughs> The truckers love that too, don't they? Truckers yeah. do love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to pursue in the farm bill. Yeah. Well, just to, to stop you for a minute, though, and talk about the uh, that RFS. That was a huge win for our industry. I mean, it, it was a, a concerted effort by a lot of people, stakeholders in our industry, involved in Washington, and we got this thing done. And that was huge that we got a biodiesel carved out RFS. Uh, that was amazing to get that job done in a short period of time. So, exactly. exactly. Uh, our industry uh, deserves some uh, some kudos for that. Yeah, one. I, you know, our industry has gone out and uh, really gotten some things done legislatively. Yep. And you know, you mentioned the states, and uh, there's a lot to do out there still. And you know, the the reasons that, that we're so enthusiastic about this fuel and industry really resonate with people out there. And I think I, I think that's a lot of the legislative success is that. It makes sense, and we're, we're providing something that people like to see, which is an immediate solution. Uh, I know it's uh, it's kind of remarkable uh, having worked uh, sort of on the trade show side of the industry for a while, uh, seeing the acceptance level. And I know when I started going to petroleum shows, there was uh, basically no knowledge whatsoever about what biodiesel was, and I yep. spent much of my time explaining that it was not ethanol, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, that it was. It, but then I'd have to say it was like ethanol for. for for yeah. diesel so they could at least understand it one way or another and that sort of uh, th then we started to see the in independent distributors really catch on you know the majors start to look at it and then all of a sudden they said well it's time for second generation biofuels once they recognized it and, and let's skip over those biofuel guys that are working today because we got some five ten fifteen years out that's going to be great and let's just go there and skip right. this part and uh, so I think we've got to answer that, and we've got to, we've got to do our, our groundwork to keep things moving. Yep, exactly. We're uh, looking at a farm bill to be settled here, hopefully, in the next few weeks, next six weeks or so. Um, the CCC Bioenergy Program, that's, of course, very important to, to you all as producers uh, to help address some of these feedstock issues. Um, uh, NBB is pursuing that on all gallons produced. I think that's extremely important. Um, and of course, the uh, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, you know, it, it is important. I think uh, you know to help us transition to a, a broader base and availability of feedstocks. You know, Graham talked about it, and Emily talked about you know the new feedstocks that may be developed and coming on line in the future. And, and I think that this bioenergy program may be a great way for our industry to transition over to wider availability and supply of feedstocks because. Uh, right now, the, the economics, as everybody knows, are just very, very dire. And uh, you know, we need that financial assistance and support at this critical time. Exactly. Um, and, and, of course, the extension of the tax credit. Has that been important to, to your plants? It's <laughs> critical. Yeah, that's critical. Yeah, so so we're, we're looking at those things. Um, you know, those, are, those are issues that are, are top of our legislative priorities. You know, and, and just uh, to talk about public policy a little bit, you know, we talked to, 
about on a national level, but uh, one of the great drivers that we see going on in the industry is at the state level as well, with uh, you know various states coming forward with some type of an incentive for biodiesel, whether it's on the production side of the business or on the consumption side of the business, and uh, with uh, new markets as well. We've seen developments in the heating oil market uh, that are going to be positive for us. So I think we've got a lot of things going on at different levels in terms of public policy. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that as an industry, we've got to continue to support those efforts because that's going to get us to the, to the next level for our industry and, and uh, create a good, solid demand base for our product. That's exactly right. And I would like to uh, personally challenge all the truckers out there in the, in the crowd that are listening in to get to know your legislators on a first-name basis. Call them, email them, meet them in person, and let them know how important renewable energy is, how important biodiesel is, and that you want these things accomplished. So I would challenge every one of you to do that. And it's yeah. it, it, we do have a lot of challenges, and I think uh, that you know just some of the things we talked about this morning, uh, sitting over the coffee that never quite made it here. Um, <laughs> Legs uh, didn't make it either. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we, we, I'm not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you already said that's the bill, too. So. <laughs> but you guys are getting the trap grease from this place. That's now, true. Right? That's uh, true. Actually, so. that's why I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a lot to do, and I think the priorities are key. And there's certainly going to be some uh, competing priorities out there, and there's yeah. going to be some contentiousness on the sustainability side. There's going to be federal and state prioritization going on. Uh, and I think it's key that this industry do uh, continues to do what it's done so well, uh, which is have uh, this organization, you know, the, the NBB that brought us here to help Ed out, um, uh, continue to be a consensus builder. And uh, uh, I think we've got to go to some resources like, like PACs out there to uh, get some of our uh, uh, agenda items done. And, and, and we need to support those initiatives because we can't, we can't do it all. Uh, and I think wherever possible, we need to find that common ground and work together uh, so that we're not out sniping at each other out there. There's plenty of people that are going to be sniping out there yeah. for us, uh, um, but that we do tackle the tough questions. Too. One of the great things I think that I've seen in this industry, and, and I've had enough experience in this industry that I've seen us deal with feedstock issues uh, you know, several years ago, and we've gone beyond that. And as diverse as we are as an industry, with different feedstocks, with different uh, scale of production, uh, different markets that we go, uh, that we market to, I think with all that diversity, at the end of the day, we still come together as, an, as a group and what's best for the industry as a whole. And I think those are the things that are going to get us to this uh, beyond uh, the challenges that we have in the, near, in the near term as well as the long term. I, I really appreciate you meeting me here and having this discussion. As I said, you you all you re represent such a diversity in the industry, uh, and it's just really important for me to be able to hear this. Um, and and with that, I uh, you know I guess we'll, we'll we're not going to uh, tip the service, are we? No, we're not going to tip. <laughs> okay, good, good. But I, I you know as we go forward navigating this changing landscape, we need to to. Uh, I need to have this input and be able to present this in a speech. In fact, I'm thinking as I'm sitting here, I maybe shouldn't give a speech. Maybe we should do this at the conference. That's a bad idea. That would work. We'll see.